0: Hello, and welcome to Money Chill Out, the podcast to inspire and feel good about your money. I'm Marika Fino, a woman in my 30s, ex-trader in the city of London, a yoga teacher, and the owner of my financial empowerment business. On this podcast, I want to open up the discussion around money and investments and dive into personal finance management, which can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. You too can get financial peace of mind, and it starts with empowerment and knowledge. Let's go. Hi Rafael. how are you? I'm good, very well, thanks. I'm very happy to have you on. You're actually a friend of a friend who already came to this podcast. So hi, Benjamin, if you listen to us. And today we're speaking about executing orders in the market. And it's a subject I always wanted to cover because I have always that question that comes up with my clients once they're ready to execute the strategy, because it's not that simple, actually. And I'm very happy to do it with you as you're the head of electronic trading for AXA in the UK. And yeah, I'm very impressed because you've spent the last 17 years with them. So what's your tips for longevity? <laughs>
1: well, first, I, I love my job. And uh, more importantly, I love uh, the people I'm working with. I've been fortunate enough to um, to lead different teams and trade uh, multiple uh, asset classes. So I keep learning every day. I guess that's the best secret for staying a long time in the same company.
0: True, true. A little bit. So can you tell us a bit about you and what you trade or supervise?
1: Yes. So I'm uh, I'm the head of the uh, electronic trading in the UK. We trade uh, equities and effects mainly. And the goal is to scale up the business to be able to trade uh, more and more. So we try to automate the, the trading to uh, reduce the risk, to implement controls, design the, the, um, the idea on workflow to reduce the risk and trade as quickly as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. And so what platforms are you using at work? And then I'm going to ask about your personal investments, but first for your work.
1: Yeah, at work, we use um, an order management system, uh, which is a tool where we receive all the trades from the portfolio manager. It's called SimCorp, but it's only only for institutional um, investors.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We also use uh, an execution management system where we monitor the trades, once we once we send them because some trades can be executed in a few seconds, other trades will last a few hours. So we need a specific tool to to monitor what's going on in the market, any price change, the news, etc. So we use Bloomberg as well for all the market data. And personally, for my own investments, so in France I use um, a tool called Bourse Direct, mm-hmm. which is a uh, one of the main platform in in France.
0: Okay, and and what do you trade there? A mix of equity, of direct, indirect funds.
1: For my own investments, mainly ETFs. Okay,
0: cool. So do you have any tips for someone who either is about to start or has already started but is actually asking, is that platform right for me? So do you have any tips for actually choosing the right platform? And I guess it's a mix of fees, of a range of investment options, of course, the interface, how you like it, and probably the quality of displaying information as well. Any other thing that you would look at?
1: I think you've uh, you've summarized them all. For me, the key criteria is definitely the fees. I chose Bonds Direct in, uh, in France because they were the, the cheapest. Everything else, well, you can hope that uh, the interface and the quality of information, it's important, but You would hope that uh, all platform have something uh, uh, good enough. And it's quite hard to to test before you actually uh, open your account. So the only uh, objective criteria is the fees. So I would suggest to start with that. And if the interface or the information displayed is not good enough for you, then you can uh, can pick another platform. But starting with the fees is probably a good thing.
0: Nice. So we'll go after what kind of fees and so on and so forth. But yeah. So let's talk about jargon now, because as I said, there's always a lot of things that we don't necessarily think about when we're about to execute. And so when you buy yourself, you'll always see what we call a BDASK. And the difference between the two is what we call the BDASK spread. And it's very useful to look at it to see how liquid a security is, because the bigger the spread or the difference, the less there is liquidity, which means probably the less volume and the harder it's going to be to pass an order. And as you said, an order can actually be executed in not even a second or over a few hours or even days. So what do you think is a reasonable bid-ask spread for something that is mainstream? And what is the one for something a bit more
1: niche? So for large European stock, for instance, I think on average, it's about um, 10 bips, so it's 0.1% uh, the difference between the, the bid and, and the ask. And um, for smaller companies, it can go to uh, 50 bips, 0.5% or even higher. Sometimes I trade very small stocks and it's 1%, 2%, 3%. The, the smaller the stocks is, the bigger the spread.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is especially 2 or 3%. It's crazy because it really impacts your performance, right? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So in terms of fees now, every time you pass an order, you'll have to pay what we call transaction fees. And as you've said, these fees actually vary from your investment platforms, The probably the, t- the type of stocks as well you can buy yourself and which country the stock is. I have an example. I used to, I wanted to buy a Danish stock, for example, and it was much more expensive than a proper like, UK one. So to give a bit of perspective, what do you think are acceptable fees?
1: I wouldn't necessarily uh, think it this way. To me, you should start by defining your uh, allocation. If you want to have uh, 25% of your stocks in the UK, uh, 25% in the US, 25% in Europe and 25% in Asia, for instance, first you design your portfolio. And then you will have to pay uh, every market has different fees. So you mentioned the STEM duty for the for the UK. In France and Italy, uh, they have financial taxes. So different markets have different rules and different fees. But I wouldn't base my uh, allocation on the fees you have to pay uh, because it's not something you can control. Mm. So I would start uh, I would start with the allocation first. And if you decide to invest in the UK, then you have to pay the stem duty. That's not something you you can change.
0: Okay, so it would be part of the strategy, and as long as you have the impression the strategy makes sense and you actually are keen on it, you would go. So let's talk about the stem duty because we haven't said what it is. So it's a rule where you pay an extra, for example, zero point five percent. It's like a reserve tax, and. So there's one in the UK, there's another one in Switzerland. And again, the rules do change because in Switzerland, it depends if it's national or international stocks. So again, in order to not be surprised with what you're buying, you really need to go deep on the research and uh, make sure you understand what you want to buy and what are the associated prices. And anything you want to add on that?
1: No, no. And it's actually quite complicated because sometimes a list of... uh, the list of stocks eligible to these uh, taxes can change every year so one year you might not pay for uh, if you buy uh, that stock and the following year because uh, the stock uh, reach a new threshold for instance then you have to then you have to pay this financial tax so it's quite complicated to you know, but it's not something you you can control so don't waste too much energy on this
0: nice. And um, I have um, a question on currency now. So, for example, if you want to buy gold, which is dollars as the underlying currency, sometimes you can find funds in euros, which means that they actually convert automatically the dollars into euros for you. What would you recommend to do? Either trade in dollars at the underlying currency and you probably expect there's more liquidity there, or it's better to trade in your domestic currency.
1: If you buy something uh, in dollars, for instance, so as you said, in your example, uh, gold, but it would be the same for um, American stocks, for instance. Someone has to do, has to sweep euro to dollar. You have two options. Either you let the fund do it. So you buy a European fund and the fund will transfer the euro into dollar or you buy directly into dollar. And then in that case, it's up to you to do the transfer. From my own experience, I think the funds, because they are bigger, usually get a better rate than yourself when you go at the bank and do the transfer. So I have a preference personally to buy funds in domestic currency and let the fund transfer the money.
0: Okay. And you don't think there's actually in your domestic currency, so I guess it depends what you buy, but there's maybe less liquidity compared to the ones who are trading in the underlying currency? Not really?
1: It could happen, but it's. Uh, I guess it depends on which product you're buying. Liquidity is definitely something you need to look for. So I would start by looking a fund in your domestic currency, check if the liquidity is good enough. If that's not the case, then you might change uh, your strategy. But first thing is always to look for a fund in your domestic currency. Okay, that's good.
0: And um, once you are about to execute, you actually need to be super concentrated. We call, when we're in the market, not having a fat finger. So can you explain what it is and if it's happened to you?
1: Uh, yeah, the fat finger is basically when you make a, a stupid mistake. Unfortunately, yes, it did happen to me um, twice, actually. The first one, I was supposed to buy 1,000 shares and I tried to buy 10,000 shares. So I typed uh, one too many zero. Fortunately, I realized that quickly and I was able to cancel the trade before 1000 shares were executed. So no impact on that one. And the, the second one was actually even, even uh, worse. I wanted to buy something at the limit of uh, 72.5 and I typed the, the dot too quickly. So I, my, the limit I entered was um, uh, 725 instead of uh, 72.5. But Again, fortunately, we have some controls in place to prevent this. Uh, These fat fingers, so we get an alert immediately. Are you sure you want to put a limit uh, that high? So I was able to cancel the trade immediately. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a bit stressed for a few uh, for a few seconds. So yeah, I, I confirm. You definitely have to be a vigilant when you execute an order. It's uh, mistakes like that do occur.
0: <laughs> but it, it teach you like uh, you actually need to be super concentrated. So yeah, I had a, a similar experience. So <laughs> great. So let's talk about the different market orders now. And I actually realized talking with my client that they don't appreciate it. They don't fully grasp actually the range of possibilities. So I'll give a quick overview of the main ones and let me know if I've missed any big ones. So I was thinking about had the market... Buy or sell limit orders, a stop loss after or pre market orders. Anything else you're thinking of?
1: No, no. I think you have the, the most important ones. If you really want to even want to um, keep it simple, you basically have market, limit, and stop loss. Market orders is you don't put a limit. You say I want to buy whatever the price. So it's good when you when you really want to um, to buy or sell. You have the guarantee you will uh, you will execute the order to some extent, assuming that the liquidity is good enough. Let's say uh, most of the time you have a, you you are guaranteed to be executed, but you are not guaranteed to have the price you want because if you if suddenly the price moves one uh, percent, uh, you can buy one uh, percent higher, for instance.
0: Yeah, so it's really about the certainty of execution, but yeah, you don't control the price.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. With limit orders, it's the opposite. You are guaranteed to have the price you want or better, but you are not guaranteed to execute. So if the price, for instance, is at 80 and you say, oh, I don't want to buy uh, above uh, 79. So you are waiting for the price to go down. If it reached 79, perfect, but maybe it won't reach 79, you won't be uh, partially executed, and then the market will go back up and you won't you won't have completed your your trade. So there is a risk to not execute your your order. And actually, if it goes if it goes straight from eighty to ninety without falling to seventy nine, you don't have anything at all. So it's a bit safer in terms of price, but uh, no guarantee to execute the trade.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes as well, you can be partially filled, which means that your order is only partly executed. So. Can you say what could be the causes and imagine, especially with limit orders, if there's two orders at the same price, who wins?
1: To your first question, there are two cases where you can't um, fully execute the order. So in in the example I gave, the current price is at 80, you put a limit order at 79, the price goes down a bit, but there is not enough volume at 79, so you don't complete the, the order. And similarly, if it goes straight from 80 to uh, 85, you, you haven't done anything at all. So you that's why in these cases sometimes you only partially complete the order. And your um, what was your second question? Sorry, <laughs>
0: if you have two orders, especially limit orders at the same price, and there's not enough liquidity so that both can be filled, who wins?
1: So when two people want to uh, want to buy the same stock. So they put an order in the order book and the order book is sorted by um, by price first so the person who who accepts to buy higher will have the priority and the person who accepts to sell the lower will have the priority as well so price is a key criteria and then it's time so the first person who put the order goes first if someone else want to buy at the same price but put the the order uh, 15 minutes later he won't be executed uh, second.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, cool. And so, there's no question about volume. If someone wanted to buy a bigger volume, you're gonna not necessarily have priority. It's really price and time.
1: Yes, price and time.
0: So the third option to put an uh, order is a stop loss, and the possibility to automatically sell a security when the price reaches a certain level. And it's especially useful in times of stress when the market can actually go a bit wild. So can individuals like you and me use it or is it starting to be a bit complex?
1: No, I think that's definitely a good um, a good uh, option, especially for the, for the people who trade in the short term, who want to buy and sell quickly in a few hours or a few days, or those people who use um, technical analysis. So the idea is, same example, the, the current price is at 80. You think the stock is worth 100. So your potential, you, you think you can win uh, 20. But if the price goes below 70, for instance, you can assume that your analysis was wrong and you decide, okay, if the price goes below 70, I don't want to be uh, in the market uh, anymore. I want to sell. So in that case, you put a, you put a stop loss when the price will reach uh, 69.9, it will execute the order. So that limits your risk. And one, uh, one good thing with this uh, strategy is to compare the ratio, the potential uh, win to the potential uh, loss. So in my example, potential win is 20, uh, 100 minus uh, 80, and potential loss is 10, 80 minus uh, 70. So in that case, the ratio, between the two is um, is two, which is good. If you have a trade where the ratio is only one, for instance, if your your potential risk is as high as your potential win, in that case the ratio is only one. It's not a, it's not a great trade. So you say, oh, should I really do this trade? It's a bit too risky. We tend to say that a good um, risk reward ratio is uh, is around two.
0: Okay, very interesting. And I guess it's a bit like being convinced that actually there's a lot of potential more than, yeah, the risk. Yeah, cool. And um, last question for you. You've just written a book. It's called, it's in French, but I, if I translate it, it's A Million for All. Can you share what are the key messages you wanted to give?
1: Yeah, so the main, um, my main idea is that everyone can become um, financially free. And for that, you don't need to. Uh, you don't need to win the lottery. You don't need to start uh, to be on the startup. You don't need to inherit it from your parents or grandparents. You just need to um, to follow four different steps. First one is to save, ideally twenty percent of your salary. You don't need to start at twenty percent. You can start at one one or two percent, no problem. But to design a plan to increase your savings up to twenty percent over time. Second step is to maximize your salary, try to, um, try to develop your skills and better negotiate your, uh, your salary. Third step is to invest in real estate, to buy your own flat or your own house as early as possible, to avoid wasting your uh, your rents every every month. And fourth step is to invest in stock markets, to build a second source of, um, of income that will progressively replace your salary. And ideally, So after these four four steps, you can become financially free. In my book, for instance, I give an example with someone who starts someone who starts its career with a salary of fifteen hundred euros, fifteen hundred pounds, similar. That person can become a millionaire at the end of uh, of its career.
0: Yeah, so it's accessible. Yeah, Yeah, that that
1: definitely. In the I mentioned uh, a millionaire in the in the title, but. It's not really the the main idea is to become financially free. Billionaire is more it's more a symbol, but I think uh, if everyone could become uh, financially free, I think the the mood in general would be much better.
0: <laughs> yeah, because of course people, some people would stay in their jobs, but others maybe would want to discover other things or follow passion or
1: something. So yeah, exactly. At least you have the choice, and ha- having the choice is a is a real luxury. But if you don't have any um, any uh, money issues, any financial issues, then you can live uh, you can live the life you want, and that's that's a great goal, I think.
0: Yeah, and and where are you personally on that journey?
1: <laughs> so in theory, I could uh, I could stop working. I have enough uh, investments to um, to live from my investments. But as I, as I said at the beginning, I love my job and the, and the people I'm working with, so I'm happy to continue.
0: Nice. I love that. And so, can you share just um, last last question? Roughly, how your assets are split? So you said you invest in real estate.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm personally a big fan of uh, real estate, so I have a few um, a few flats in London and uh, Paris. Also, have some um, uh, some uh, shares in different companies and investments in uh, in stock markets. The the companies are uh, mainly real estate companies and um, hotel business. So it's, there is always a, a bit of real estate in uh, most of my investments.
0: <laughs> I like it. You're super convinced. Wow! Well, thank you so much, Rafael, for all of your um, inputs, for shedding a light on something that, again, doesn't seem necessarily complex, but where there's actually a lot of nuance and options. So thank you so much for sharing your experience.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and uh, good luck on the book. And yeah, all the best and take care.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. So that's the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website, marikafineau.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.